Thank you for listening to the First Baptist Church podcast. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcottawa.org. That's heavy. I mean, man, just really, really, man, this is heavy today. I don't know why this skinny Bible is so heavy today. Like, it's really, like, heavy. I don't know if I can hold it today. Like, like it's heavy. Maybe it's because it's the first Sunday in Lent and, and the, the themes of Lent, of, of the weight of sin and the humility of, of humanity and acknowledging our finitude and our our propensity to disobey and rebel, that's heavy, or maybe the weightiness of trying to say something fresh about that which has been celebrated for 1,500, 1,800 years in Lent, that feels kind of heavy. Or maybe it's a scripture text that we're written, read today that's, that's heavy, like speaking of the original rebellion of humanity. The door opening up, the story of Adam and Eve and, and the eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and, and seeking to say something perhaps fresh, something perhaps you haven't thought of that opens the door for our participation in that and awareness. It's, but it's, it's heavy to acknowledge that we are in Adam. And, and likewise, it's, it's certainly heavy to, to go into the wilderness with Jesus and to be confronted by the devil and be confronted with those temptations, those temptations of seeking to, it's getting heavier as I think about Jesus there in the wilderness, staring Satan in the eyes and Satan staring him in the eye and tempting him with, with temptations to provide in ways that are not of God, to protect in ways that are not of God and to show power in ways that are not of God. And it's heavy to think about how we are all in Adam, as the Apostle Paul writes, and that that the first man, Adam, who rebelled, and we participate in opening the door to becoming less than, to turning away from the provisions that God has made. And it's heavy to acknowledge our weakness and our tendency to run from the way that, that God provides and protects and gives power through love, and we run the other direction. It's quite heavy indeed. The themes of Lent, quite heavy indeed. And this morning, as, as perhaps with the help of the Holy Spirit, there's some light shed on each of those passages and, and the meaning of Lent that, well, perhaps some guides along the way and some things that would be said this morning. I, I certainly have to get some credit where credit is due. There's, there's a sermon I listened to from Diana Butler Bass and a book I've read from Brian Zahn, Beauty Will Save the World, or, or another book, The Very Good Gospel by Lisa Sharon Harper, or The Crucifixion, a huge book by Fleming Rutledge. And those works certainly inform some of the perspective this morning of trying to deal with this heavy, heavy stuff. There in the Garden of Eden, God provided everything that we humans needed. Things are going well. There's an interconnectedness. There's a shalom. There's the loving of God. And God walking in the cool of the day with with Adam and Eve. 
And there was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And some have wondered about that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You know that tree, that, that, tree, that cookie <laughs> that God said, don't eat from that one? That, that tree that God said, and, and people have wondered, well, what's the meaning? What is God forbidding? But I wonder if there's not a better understanding that really the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that, that God has attached a command to that one. It's not so much that the fruit of the tree itself was evil, but it was symbolic. It was a metaphor for if you eat of that tree, then you have chosen not to trust God. It's the only thing in the garden that had a command attached to it. The only thing in the garden that had, you could choose God or choose yourself. You could choose God or choose selfishness. You could choose what God has provided, or you could choose what you want. You could choose the relationship with God, or you could choose your own way. You could choose knowledge of God who is walking with you here in the garden, oh humanity. Or you can choose your own way. Perhaps it's because there was a command attached to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that Adam and Eve were going to be aware of it, but once they took a bite of it, they were seeking to be like God, to deal with things too big for us. And then, and then it's as if the door was opened. It, it's, a, it's a story of origins, a story of origins of how the door got opened that we are in the mess that we are in. And I don't have time to unpack all of the theological themes because, well, that would be quite heavy and lengthy. But at least for me, I'll present to you this morning that I don't think it's so much about original sin because, as you've heard me say before, the creation narrative begins with, with tavmiot. It begins with very good. It, it begins with God created the heavens and the earth and said it was good, and it was good. And on the seventh time, he said it was very good. So we stand very good, created by God. Created in the image of God. Created in the likeness of God. But then, then that wasn't enough. That seeking of more knowledge, that seeking of more knowing, that not trusting God. And it's not so much that we were created worms, that, but we opened the door to the Pandora's box of disobedience, rebellion, and sin. And the cumulative effect of that, well, you just got to either look inside and look around and watch world events and read history, you can see the cumulative effect of opening the door. That's quite weighty indeed. Anytime that we turn away from God and we turn in another direction, when we seek our own way, when we decide that, that God's protection is not good enough for us and we will protect ourselves, let the reader understand. Anytime that we decide that God's provision is not enough and we seek to, to hoard and to keep and, and, and to provide that God, we just can't trust God. We can't trust God to protect us nor provide for us and certainly God's power. I mean, how can we trust God's power when God's power is demonstrated in a crucified Messiah? We turn to our own ways. Oh, we say we trust God. And yet we do everything we can to provide for ourselves, protect ourselves, and demonstrate power in the world. And we want powerful leaders if we are honest with ourselves. 
We want strong ones, muscular ones, mighty ones, mean ones, a tough jaw. We want it all. Maybe that's why the disciples in throughout Jesus' life could not quite understand when Jesus said that he would be handed over and be put on trial and be crucified because that's not the kind of leader that they thought they would be following. And then those temptations that Jesus has in the wilderness, oh, one could go on and on about the ways that those intersect with our lives. The temptation turn these stones to bread. A temptation of provide, provide for yourself, but it's, a, it's like an economic temptation. Change, change the way the economy works. Just feed a bunch of people, do a social action program, that'll be enough. That'll be enough. Change the, if you could just change the calculus of the economy, that'll be enough. It's an economic temptation of provision. If you could just change those things, you don't have to deal with the inward things or the Satan thing or the evil that resides. We don't have to uproot the root, just kind of just gloss it over with a new economic reality. And then the temptation to jump down from the temple, that's a, that's a temptation of, well, it's a temptation sort of of protection. God will protect you, but it's also a religious temptation. It's a temptation that you can just wow them, wow them with your worship style, wow them with the sound of your music, wow them with your building. Wow them, wow them, just wow them. Just, just, just amaze them. Just have them be overwhelmed with something, put on a spectacle. Thus, our fascination, as much as I absolutely believe that God broke through in Wilmore, Kentucky in the last three weeks, and there was some kind of breakthrough awakening happening on the campus of Asbury University, oh, sometimes we just want to be wild, and we're just a little too fascinated with that kind of thing so that we miss, as Elizabeth Barrett Browning says, something like this. She says, the whole earth is aflame with the fire of God, and every bush is aflame with the fire of God, but only those who take time to see it will take off their shoes. You see, sometimes we're so caught up in the religious and in, in the spectacle that we miss that God is with us every step of the way, every single step in the ordinary, in the mundane, in the extraordinary, in the standing up and the falling down, in, in the times that we mess up and the times that we do well, God is with us and his presence is to be found in and through it all. That our lives, our stories are indeed aflame with the presence of God. Have you ever thought of your life, your story aflame with the presence of God right in its state right now? Confusion? Grief, celebration, triumph, tragedy, brokenhearted. Questioning, confused, feeling guilty. And yet, the story of Scripture, even in Lent, that, that God, that Jesus has participated with us. He's walking with us through it all. In this season of Lent, we, we certainly begin with the temptation of Jesus and the story of Jesus and the fact that Jesus participates in our humanity, 
in our lives. Jesus, the Word become flesh. He participates in our very human lives. He knows what it's like to be human. Tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin, and yet he knows. And not only does he know, you see, Lent leads us to Good Friday, doesn't it? It leads us to Jesus doesn't just know that he was tempted in every way as we are yet without sin, but he was, he was broken by that rebellion, by that sin. Displayed upon the cross, we see the worst that humanity, of which humanity is capable. Upon the cross, we see the very, very worst in all of us, individually and corporately. On the cross, the ugliness of sin we see displayed for all to see. And when I say sin, I mean capital S, sin, as the Apostle Paul is writing about in Romans and in the epistles. He's not just talking about the individual things we do, but the power that seems to affect us and infect us and overwhelm us, that carries us away and and gets us caught up in mob mentality where we can speak about things like how did Auschwitz happen? How did apartheid happen? How did the crucifixion happen? We get caught up. You see, we get caught up in turning other ways and turning away from the God who loves us. And then in Romans, Paul is talking about the first Adam and the second Adam, and and he's just talking about how Jesus participating in the life of humanity is greater than the failure of Adam, representative of all humanity. So here's, here's the key today. We are all in Adam. We participate in Adam, and we are all in Christ. We participate in Christ because he's participated with us. So we're all in Adam, the human. We are, we are all in Adam in that we all have sought either God on our own terms or sought life on our own terms without God. We've sought protection and provision and power in our own way rather than the cruciform way. We have sought all kinds of ways for our lives other than the way of Jesus. So we are in Adam. And when we see the world gone mad and the world gone crazy and the world gone angry and the world gone violent and the things that cause us to to weep and get angry and frustrated, may we all this season of lit be a bit humbled. May we never say, I'll never. May we be so humbled that we recognize that even in the things that appall us the most in some way that we're in Adam and we have participated in the brokenness of the world. We have participated in some way because all of us have opened that door. I would say that is the understanding of the origin story of Adam and Eve and the knowledge, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We've all, we've all opened the door. It's not that we're, we're created as worms. We're created tavmiod, very good. Oh, but we have participated in Adam and we are affected by and infected with the, 
seemingly airborne virus of capital S sin in ways that are beyond our ability to even comprehend. But thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord, that is not the final word. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord, he goes into the wilderness and fasts 40 days and 40 nights. And and at the end of that fasting, then he is confronted by the devil, by the Satan. Then he, as he is confronted, then he begins the journey of the way out for us. The way to be delivered from what affects us and infects us and overwhelms us. He begins to the process, the journey of setting us free. He begins the process of teaching and calling disciples and working miracles and, and table fellowship for anyone and everyone. The, the outcast that he welcomes, the sins that he announces, forgiveness for, the message that he announces, the life he lives, the message he brings, the death that he dies, he is participating in humanity and in the life of God for us. So we participate in Adam, the first Adam. Oh, we're part of it. That's part of the Lenten journey is that humility, that, that prostate on the ground. God, the things that are wrong with the world, they're wrong in me too. But it's also, it's not the end. Even as we go through Lent, we see Lent We don't run to the resurrection. We must walk the way of Good Friday, the way of sorrows, the way of death, the way of humility, acknowledging our participation in the way of Adam. But we do live with Lent in light of. In fact, we can't help but see the crucifixion in light of. We may never have heard of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ had there never been a resurrection. So even on this first Sunday of Lent, where we are to be aware of the heaviness of our own need, of our own sin, of our own rebellion, that we are in Adam, that we have participated in Adam, that Jesus Christ has participated in humanity and participated in our lives and in redemption. And then we, as the Apostle Paul would say, we are then in Christ and we participate in his life. So as he participates in ours, we are in Christ. Thus, thus the meaning buried with Christ in baptism. We rise to walk in newness of life. We participate in all that he went through, buried with Christ in baptism. And all that's in us, and all that was in us that's in Adam is buried with Christ in baptism. When we rise to walk in that newness of life, and that's the Lenten journey. So may we turn eyes upon Jesus. May we trust not our own provisions, but trust the provision of the limitless supply of the grace of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. May we trust him to provide help and hope, forgiveness, healing, new life. May we we trust his protection. The scriptures talk so often about do not fear, do not be afraid, do not be afraid. Maybe because we are so obsessed with protection and protecting ourselves that we're literally killing ourselves in the name of protecting ourselves. 
We are participating in the way of Adam to the death of humanity in order to protect ourselves. Oh, may we, may we trust the cruciform love of a crucified Savior who says, Father, forgive them for they own not what they do. And the power of, forgive, power of forgiveness undoes that which would cause us to destroy one another and ultimately destroy ourselves. So, may we trust provision and protection. And then, may we trust the power of cruciform love. That's the power of a crucified Savior. Andrikus Burkhoff, in his book on theology that I read in college many, many years ago, had a chapter that I've never forgotten. The Defenseless Superior God was the title of the chapter. The, defense, the Defenseless Superior God, that God in his majesty and his creative strength and power on the cross, participating in the cross with Christ, seems, appears defenseless to our human eyes. In this lit, may we see the power of love that is in the forgiveness and the laying down and the surrender. May we see the revealing that the ways of Satan, the power of sin and death that nailed Jesus there are made null and void. Because, well, because there was a third day. There was an Easter Sunday morning. And then looking back, we see that on that good Friday, we only call it good, we only interpret it good because we look back at it. And we see that there on the cross, Jesus provides, Jesus protects, and Jesus reveals the power of cruciform love to save the world. Let's pray. Loving God in the name of Jesus, um, may we journey through Lent awake, humble, aware, seeing, seeing our need and your provision, acknowledging our vulnerability and accepting your protection, and oh God, delivering us from power that we might find in a crucified Savior the power of redeeming love. So lead us to the cross that we can now call wonderful, to grace that we can now sing is amazing. Lead us, Lord Jesus, to follow you. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to the First Baptist Church podcast. We invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 930 in Ottawa, Kansas. You can find more information about our church at www.fbcottawa.org.